from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. These are wild animals. They have their lives of their own. They do not perform these bizarre tricks in the wild. This is, um, you know, a lot of people don't think about what has to happen for that tiger to jump through the fire. Tigers are scared of fire. They run away from it in the wild. Elephants, you know, belong on sand in Asia. Why are Asian elephants on cement in Missouri? I think they just realized that we weren't going to stop. The Shiner said that the elephants essentially, quote, aged out of their program, and that's why they retired them. It had nothing to do with the protests whatsoever. They did that article because they're trying to save face. Um, the video on PETA got 155K views. I'm Elaine Cha. For many who've grown up in the U.S., a circus experience is almost synonymous with larger-than-life animal acts. Horses galloping with riders standing aloft, lions and tigers leaping through rings of fire, and elephants in ring formation, trunks holding tails in single file, or with four legs holding them up against the back of the pachyderm in front to walk on hind legs in a circle. Well, starting this year, St. Louis area circus goers will no longer see elephants under the Moolah Shrine Big Top. And here to talk about efforts to break that 80-year history of animal performance is local activist and protester Sasha Zemmel. Sasha, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Starting a year and three months ago, so late fall of 2021, you began leading nonviolent protests against the Moolah Shrine Circus for its treatment of animals. What prompted those efforts? Um, yeah, so I, th- I think this is definitely an issue that has been protested long before I was even here. Um, there's a group... I used to work with St. Louis Animal Rights Team. They protested them once a year. PETA has, you know, everyone knows PETA. They've been around for so long and have protested um, not just our city, but all shrine chapters, um, basically calling for a boycott and to not buy a ticket until they go animal free. Um, But we specifically started targeting our chapter Um, because we feel like that is something we can change. Um, It's a little unrealistic to, um, you know, go for, like, all of them at the same time, but um, this is something in our city, it's low-hanging fruit, if you will, something that is um, actually uh, reachable. So Mm -hmm. that's why we started uh, targeting that chapter. And as a point of reference, do you know how many circuses still use animals? Um, as far as the Shriners or circuses altogether? Altogether? Um, definitely hundreds, maybe more, maybe thousands. Um, the Shriners definitely are one of the last major pillars propping up the animal circus industry. Um, they, I know they have 150 to 200 chapters in America, and... Um, most of those, like 150, maybe 160 uh, chapters, do have animal circuses. So um, 
And then, you know, I'm sure there are other roadside circuses and I think Universal still uses animals. Um, but like I said, the industry is dying. Um, as we've seen, Ringling Brothers is coming back without the animals, Cirque du Soleil, Cirque Italia. Um, so, um, yeah, it's mainly the Shriners that are still propping up this industry. So the campaign that you started was a pressure campaign. Mm-hmm. What does a pressure campaign entail? Um, so a pressure campaign is basically um, a string of consistent actions. Um, because we can, you know, we can protest, but nowadays protesting is so normalized and it's almost like everyone's protesting everything. Um, people just kind of, you know, walk by and like see it, maybe engage, maybe they go home and think about it. But um, a pressure campaign is just what it sounds like. It's pressure. It's more pressure to um, to make a demand, to make a change. And um, I think it's very necessary uh, for us to bring this pressure and this sense of urgency to these issues. Because if we're just like standing, you know, like super far away once a year at a circus, they're not going to feel it. They're not going to be inclined to change. Um, so with these consistent actions, I think um, that definitely, uh, you know, nothing changed until we did this. Mm-hmm. So. And so frequency is very much frequency, a part of what yes. you're doing. Thank okay. you. And frequency, because of the, I guess, the stature, maybe Mula Shrine Circus has here in St. Louis. Yeah. Was that frequency part really key? I think it was. I definitely think it was. Um, because like I've said, uh, St. Louis Animal Rights Team, a uh, nonprofit organization here in St. Louis, it's the first animal rights nonprofit. Um, I think it was founded in 85 or 87. But they have been protesting once a year at their spring circus in March. And um, I, yeah, I just I don't think that the Shriners really felt like this was something people wanted, or at least not a large group of people. You know, maybe we'd get like 10 people there. Um, and again, once a year, it just kind of goes to the back of your mind. Um, but yes, the frequency and um, just like the consistent pressure, I think definitely uh, made them think. Mm-hmm. Now, on December 21st of mm-hmm. this past year, you and fellow activist Kyle Mayberry disrupted a Mula Shriners meeting. You were both arrested then, and according to a Riverfront Times piece about the incident, that arrest involved excessive physical force. Mm-hmm. Then, a couple weeks later, January 5th to be exact, local media reported that Mula Shrine Circus was retiring its elephants. Now, mm-hmm. from your perspective, to what extent do you think the pressure campaign plus that arrest contributed to the elephant retirement decision? I think it played a huge role, um, even though in their, you know, in the article, they didn't say it was because of the activists. And I didn't expect them to. I mean, I've seen other animal rights victories and they, you know, of course, they're not going to mention the opposition. But um, like I said, nothing changed until we started doing these things. And I think they just realized that we weren't going to stop. And I mean, like we, they just ignored us. Um, You know, it it started with a simple letter and an email. And it's just kind of bizarre, their behavior. Uh, 
they've responded with violence. And all we wanted was words. All we wanted was, we are doing this. You know, you guys don't even know. We have planned this fight. Like, why wouldn't they say that is my question, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, I just, I think that their efforts to try and silence us and ignore us and, you know, even like shout derogatory things at us at protests. Um, One of them came right up to us and flicked us off and tried to hit us with their car going down the wrong way in a one-way driveway. Like, it just, I think it just shows that um, they were trying to, um, you know, sweep this issue under the rug and they thought we would go, go away. But yeah, that, that, disruption um it it really showed their true colors and i mean one of them had a beer in their hand and like i could smell it they were all um intoxicated and just you know looked like a a bunch of angry violent men and um i i honestly think that they they did that article because they're trying to save face um the video on PETA got 155 K views mm. um, on our other um, on the m- main direct action everywhere page. It got like fourteen or fifteen K views on TikTok. Another you know handful of thousands of views um, on my page, like five thousand views. So yeah, this video the Young Turks covered it. Uh, the Young Turks talked about this for four minutes. Talked about the animals and and the Young Turks are um, like the largest online uh, news outlet or one of one of the largest mm-hmm. um, and. I, so yeah, I just think that it, it, they they definitely couldn't silence us anymore mm-hmm. about this issue. Now, Mula has commented on this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to read sure. um, something that they have stated. Mula Shriners insists that they made the decision to retire the elephant several years ago mm-hmm. and that they didn't feel the need to share that decision externally. And the Shriners did not want to comment on the alleged assault. Um, the Shriner said that the elephants essentially, quote, aged out of their program, and that's why they retired them. It had nothing to do with the protests whatsoever. Spokesperson Dennis Burkholder added that this is the third time, that, that time on the 21st of December, it was the third time that you and Kyle had trespassed at their building, and they said that they had asked you multiple times um, not to trespass. Something that you had mentioned earlier is that um, there isn't acknowledgement of the opposition. But what do you think could be gained by um, not just Mula Shriner Circus, but others, um, by acknowledging that they have heard what protesters and activists have said? Um, I think they... They would gain our support. They would gain public support. And just to touch on that, I I just think that's absolutely wrong. This absolutely concerns the public. Um, maybe it didn't when they first started, and humans weren't killed, children weren't hurt, animals, beautiful, majestic animals like elephants aren't getting shot down in the street, like um, which um, this happened in I think like Miami somewhere in Florida. Um, very very. Um, sad video of a beautiful elephant just getting shot down in this because you know he just broke free so it's it's like we do these things to these animals and these are wild animals they have their lives of their own they do not perform these bizarre tricks in the wild this is 
um, you know, a lot of people don't think about what has to happen for that tiger to jump through the fire. Tigers are scared of fire. They run away from it in the wild. Elephants, you know, belong on sand in Asia. Why are Asian elephants in, on cement in Missouri? Um, it just, yeah, so these, the, this absolutely does concern the public. Um, and also, p- the public wants to hear from them. And they, I think it's kind of a, um, disrespectful. It's a smack in the face to people who have started petitions. PETA, PETA's petition for the Shriners International has 260,000 signatures. Um, another activist for, that uh, started a petition just for the Moolah chapter in 2017, her petition got, uh, um, I think it's 130,000 signatures. And then ours that we just started like a year ago has 2,000 um, but it just shows that people want this. And, and yeah, I just I think they could have gone about it a better way. They could have been transparent with the public. Um, and, and more people would probably go to their circus. Um, and yeah, I just I just think they could have um, people want transparency. Mm-hmm. Now, your activism work primarily involves animal rights, which is the focus of the Global Activist Network, Direct Action Everywhere. Yes. And it's with the St. Louis chapter mm-hmm. of DXC that you engaged in the, the Mula Shrine pressure campaign. But your social and political change efforts aren't limited to animals. Right. In fact, you and a group of organizers formed We Are the People STL in response to the overturning of Roe versus Wade and helped lead a protest outside Planned Parenthood in the Central West End on January, or, I'm sorry, on June 24th, when that Supreme Court decision was announced. Now that's you playing your drum in the background as yeah. local protesters <laughs> chanted "No Justice, No Peace." during a protest organized in response to the overturning of Roe versus Wade in late June last year. What connections do you see, Sasha, between protest work and actions on behalf of human rights and animal rights? Um, well, first of all, I mean, it's it's all interconnected. Um, you know, how we how a society treats animals says a lot about uh, how we treat each other, um, but also just activism in general is is needed. I mean, just read a history book, nonviolent direct action has been our strongest tool in creating change. And and I think a lot of people don't think that we can create change. Like we're just ordinary citizens. But it, it, we're like ants, you know, when when we're together we're so much stronger and we do have the power. Um, you know, I think I think people do feel helpless at times because protesting, um, being an activist, it's a thankless job. It's um, very, you know, physically and mentally tolling, and we don't see immediate results. But that's the key. Like, it's a, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. So um, I think that's just something important to remember. Um, and, and just don't give up. Don't get discouraged because, you know, we, we literally just created change with like four of us protesting hard for a year. So imagine if we had 400 or 4,000 of us like consistently marching, um, you know, doing petitions, um, speaking in at local government, uh, city council meetings, um, you know, going to the Capitol, um, putting our bodies on the line, putting our freedom on the line. I think that says a lot to people in power as well. Like when we are willing to risk our freedom, risk our safety, get our 
get beat up and get arrested for an issue, that's when you know something's wrong. Like that's when you know, okay, like maybe we should listen to these people. This is this is important. Um, On that yeah. point of of demonstrating, of showing showing up, using your voice, is there anything about activism or protest, particularly? Like disruptive actions that you wish people understood better? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you. That's um, actually a really good question. Um, most people see these disruptions and it's the same response, you know, like, oh, you get more flies with honey, not vinegar or something like that. Um, you know, people aren't going to listen. This isn't going to change. But so first, first off, our goal isn't necessarily to like right there on the spot make people be like oh like i see it this, your way now like it takes time um but what it does do is it creates a conversation it starts a conversation when nobody was previously talking about it so and that's what we want because how are we supposed to change if people aren't talking about it right so yes. these disruptive actions are unlike a protest where it goes to the back of their mind people see that they take video they do the work for us they go home and talk about it and then they might run into someone else who says hey you know what they're right and then they start talking about it Sasha Zemmel is an animal and human rights activist and protester based here in St. Louis thank you so much for joining us thank today, you Sasha. thanks for having me Today's episode was produced by Avery Rogers. Audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.